This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Phil Mackey. I just love the fact that every time he comes on, you get insight about stuff that you don't know. Judd Zolgad. Every time he's just full of insight. He's, he's kind of an open book. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. What the hell's going on out here? Well, Nook's scared because his eyelids are jammed and his old man's here. We need a live was it a live rooster? We need a live rooster to take the curse off Jose's glove, and nobody seems to know what to get Millie or Jimmy for their wedding present. Is that about right? That's right. We're yeah. dealing with a lot of shit. Well, uh, candlesticks always make a nice gift, and uh, maybe you can find out where she's registered, maybe a place setting or maybe a silverware pattern. Okay, let's get to it. Here we go. Yeah. Well. Baseball's trying to get rid of those mound conversations. Well, they said they were, but they're really not. They're not trying very hard at all. Yeah. If this is trying, it's not trying hard. I saw this recap. There's a million places to find it if you're looking for the full details on what baseball is going to try to implement uh, implement with pace of play rule changes. We'll go, go out to Fort Myers and talk to Wetmore on twin stuff in about 10 or 15 minutes. But I got this from CBSSports.com. Teams get... Six mound visits per game now. They're going to be limited to six mound visits per game, even though we don't know what the punishment is yet, so they still have time to figure that out, but it hasn't been defined yet. In an effort to cut down on the downtime within games, each team will now be limited to six mound visits per game, plus one additional mound visit for every extra inning played. Here is the league's official description of a mound visit. A manager or coach trip to the mound to meet with the pitcher shall constitute a visit. A player leaving his position to confer with the pitcher including a pitcher leaving the mound to confer with another player, shall also constitute a mound visit, regardless of where the visit occurs or the length of visit. So if a pitcher walks over to the first baseman and they have a conversation, that's a mound visit. Uh, This means going forward, a mound visit will include visits by coaches, managers, and players in the same category. Uh, There are exemptions, like if... This is my favorite. The exemptions are hilarious because they're basically going to be used all the time. Yeah. So a pitcher catcher conference between batters. Yeah. That's. You think that's not going to happen? So that'll happen all the time. Uh, infielder goes to the mound to clean his spikes during rainy conditions. Oh, it's a little cloudy yeah. in my spikes. But when, it's per- but when it's perfectly sunny, the shortstop will go to the mound. Yeah. Uh, any visit involving a potential injury. Ooh, yeah. my elbow hurts. Yeah. I need the pitching coach to come got, out and tell me what the scouting report is on this next batter. And any visit after a pinch hitter is announced, to which I say, if you're gonna, if you want to really fix pace of play, and if you want to cut games from over three hours back down to like two and a half hours to cater to a younger audience, which is watching soccer, and those are two hour games, and they're watching basketball, and those are two hours and 15 minutes, and you want to cut this thing down, go extreme or don't do anything. 
either get rid of all mound visits outside of pitching changes. Here's the thing in baseball. There's half innings. Let's yeah. see here. Well, there's one between the first inning. There's one after. And there's one between. Yeah, there's 17 of them. So you have 17 chances to confer with your teammates, your coaches, your manager, and to strategize. You've got all the time in the world traveling and before games and after games. You, you don't see offensive coordinators walking out every 30 seconds to go talk to the quarterback about the new defensive player that came in the game. You figured out on the fly. So the fact that they're still allowing 12 mound visits per game shows that they're not it's, really serious about pace of play. It's going to be w- way more than 12. There's now We're complaining a lot on today's okay, show, but so I'm fine with it. Here's my favorite one. Under the exemptions, if a team has exhausted their six trips to the mound, the umpire has the discretion to allow the catcher to visit the pitcher following a cross-up. The MLB Player Association had concerns about potential injuries resulting from the battery getting their sides mixed up. So if I throw you a break, a fastball, and you were expecting a breaking ball, you that can could be right dangerous out. because you can it, go right out. Yeah. <laughs> and basically, it sounds like after six, the umpires uh, can say, "Please stop doing that." And the player can say, oh, bleep you. And then you can either eject the player or say, okay, fine. Uh, There's also going to be shorter commercial breaks. This I like. This is good. So regular season games, previously the commercial breaks between innings were 2 minutes and 25 seconds. That'll be cut to 2 minutes and 5 seconds. Mm -hmm. So... What's the math on that? Twenty seconds times is it? Is it if unless you go to extra innings, it'd be seventeen times twenty-five. Divide that by sixty seconds, so that's an extra seven minutes. Just yeah. in commercial times, we're shaving. That's a good off. idea. Uh, for nationally televised games, it's two minutes and forty-five seconds previously, down to two twenty-five. Postseason games still with like three minute yeah. breaks. Really, three minute breaks, and you want so the Yankees are still going to play four and a half hour games. Nationally televised, yeah. That's so that'll be an extra. Well, it's an extra like at least ten or fifteen minutes or so in a game. Yes, uh, there will be no pitch clock yet, and the enforcement. Uh, there will be no automatic ball strike penalties for timer violations. There had been talk of charging the pitcher with an automatic ball if he wasn't ready to deliver the pitch. Um, the pitch clock isn't gone forever. At some point, they'd like to bring that back. They are using a twenty-second pitch clock in some parts of Double A AA and Triple A for the last three years. But even that is pretty, I think, loosely enforced at this point. So, anyways, if you're looking, here's the thing: like, twelve mound visits is still absurd to me. I don't understand why. Yeah, and it's going to be north of twelve. Like, have times. your stuff planned out but, before the game, or communicate from afar, or communicate between innings. And if you can't figure out what to throw, three and two after seven foul balls, then throw a fastball and pray. So, what I like is this. I like the fact that they're addressing this, and, and it seems to me like the last time that they addressed this uh, during a winter that they came back, and that's when they said that guys technically couldn't step out of the box or off the mound, I think it was. And it sort of worked. It worked for a while, and then it, th- that year I think they got time of game down, and then sure enough, everyone ignored it the next year, and it went right back up. If you're actually going to try and enforce these things, that's good. But that's my... that's. My question is, are you going to enforce them or are you going to enforce them in April and May and maybe into June and then be like, ah, whatever? Because that's their problem. Their problem is by last year, guys would take ball one, step out of the box. No one said a word. So if you're really going to enforce this stuff, it's at least a positive first step probably. But if you're just going to be by July like, yeah, it's a long season, uh, Biff, don't worry about it, then you're going <laughs> to be right back, but you're going to be right back to where you started. Yeah. So I get that but, it's hard. Yeah, the mound you know, visits is incredible. There's a quote in here. Where did I see this? From Tony Clark. Here we go. 
okay, this is where like I Tony Clark is the head of the MLB Players Association. I don't know about Tony Clark. There's been I, there's just been a lot of disagreement, and the like the players don't understand that. Hey, front offices aren't going to sign you to eight year contracts anymore. So stop complaining about it. Just maybe get more money on a on a shorter term deal or something. So between that and then this was his comment about the mutually but not really mutually agreed upon stipulations to to try and shorten games because Rob Manfred has the power if he wants to just unilaterally implement almost anything he wants, but he wants to he wants to operate in good faith with the players association. He could have so, put the pitch clock in for sure. Right. So Tony Clark said, quote, players were involved in the pace of game discussion from day one and are committed to playing a crisp and exciting brand of baseball for the fans. But they remain concerned about rule changes that could alter the outcome of games and the fabric of the game itself. But if you keep playing, there are some great World Series games. One of them lasted like five hours. And it was over at 1 o'clock or 1.30 in the morning Eastern time. When you start to have time of game or the amount of mound visits and things like that overshadow what was an amazing World Series game or two or three of them, that's a problem. And and I get that some people are going to say, well, but football, you know, people don't complain if it's a four-hour football game, right? But there's fewer games. So if you want to keep people's attention over the course of 162 games in the regular season and make it more appointment viewing, if people knew that it was going to be kind of snappy, like two, two and a half hours, if you go to a Yankees or Red Sox game, you have to carve out four hours and it's just one of 162. So it's not as urgent to be part of it. And you know that it's going to drag on for a long time. It is a problem. The game that got in in my mind, absolutely ridiculous last season was the um, Cubs-Nationals playoff game where I believe the Cubs catcher went out after almost every pitch for a while. Yeah. And, I mean, you can't you can't do that. Yeah. That's just incredibly stupid. Yeah. Now, another thing that I, I'm sort of contradicting myself, I don't think it's as much about total time of game because I think, in general, if you've carved out... Now, there's a huge difference between five hours and two and a half hours. That's the obvious. But if you're complaining because a game went 3.15 and you had already carved out three hours, to me it's more about the snappiness of yeah, the, the game within it is the game. the pace of play. Yep. If like you're expecting yeah, some level of, game, right. of flow or action yes. and you don't want to see it interrupted for, for hey, sort listen, of meaningless mound visits. You're a baseball fan. So am I. So is Dave. We're not going to abandon this game. But if you want to draw new fans, especially young fans, you need to find a way to pick up the speed. Like or just the, like make a little bit more action packed. Yeah, yeah. Well, but but you can't. But my point is, you can't have have a marquee playoff game, which, as I recall, was a great game. You can't have the catcher catching every pitch and getting up to go out to the mound to confer with his pitcher. That's stupid. That is that completely disrupts the flow of, of a great game. And so the thing that we recall from that game is not the fact that that was a fun or great game. The thing that you hearken back to and go back to is the fact that the catcher went out to visit the pitcher after almost every pitch. Yeah. Let's uh, let's go to Fort Myers when we come back here. Derek Wetmore from 1500ESPN.com and the Touch Em All podcast. We just posted a 40-minute episode that you can find right now on our website, 1500ESPN.com. Uh, anywhere you would subscribe to podcasts, Apple Podcasts. You can find them on the new 1500ESPN mobile app as well. Full breakdown of Jake Odorizzi and the trade and what the Twins can or should do next. So let's get into some of that. Is this it for the Twins? Are they done? Does this does this give you confidence that they can at least compete for the first half of the season and then maybe make another move of some kind? We'll dive into that. And Miguel Sano is finally uh, healthy and active and moving around and hitting bombs in batting practice. Active? Would you say he's active? And he still drives us nuts. So 
We'll get to all that. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Login in. Username. Mackie and Judd. Access granted. Mackie and Judd now continue on 1500 ESPN. Derek Quetmore from 1500ESPN.com. Quetmore. Are you British? Uh, I have a little bit of English in my uh, on my family tree. Yeah, why? Well, Wetmore just seems like a very British last name. Well, you guys know me enough Wetmore. to know that uh, hip, hip. you couldn't you couldn't exactly tell by looking, but I am mostly Norwegian. There's a lot of Norwegian in this blood. Okay. No, really, I'm surprised. Yeah, by that. no, I really, know. Really, really surprised by that. I know. Interesting. It. Yeah, your your uh, your skin is awfully fair. It's it's the suntan that sort of tricks people most times. <laughs> I can, think. Can, can you? So we spent a few segments <laughs> earlier talking about just the state of Miguel Sano, and we and we've seen some of the quotes that that have come from you and some of the other beat writers from down there in Fort Myers about, uh, as, as Thad Levine put it a few days ago, Miguel Sano has a generous carriage, mm. and his conditioning is uh, lagging because he was not very active this off season with the surgery. But to which I say, aren't there other ways to to show up without? A belly? Are there other ways to, to get nutrition? Um, what what do you make of the arrival of Miguel Sano, and and what does the team and the decision makers think of him here now that he's back in camp? Yeah, it, it takes me back to two springs ago. I distinctly remember where I was sitting in my hotel room when Judd and I got into a very contentious argument uh, over the future of Miguel Sano, and I basically said, Look, it's way too early to write off a guy like this. You can't just say he's going to be a left tackle by the time he's 25 and needs to be a DH. It's it's far too soon to say that. Well, I still think it's a little too soon to say that, but it's looking a lot closer to reality than uh, two years ago when we were fighting about that. So I'm, I'm just about willing to admit that Judd was right there. Because uh, look, yeah, he had surgery to fix his leg, put some stability in there. Now he's got a metal rod that he'll live with for the rest of his life. That sets you back, of course. But if you're a pro athlete and you're taking this yes. very seriously, it's entirely possible to get on a program, a regimen that would uh, allow for some conditioning that's non-running. I mean, how seriously are you going to take this? Um, that's my personal opinion on it. But you asked, too, about Twins decision makers. I still think that they do hold out hope that there's this uh, superstar caliber player in there, a guy who can hold up for a full season, a guy who can play, I heard the other day, above average defensive third base, and also who can smash, you know, 40, 45 home runs. That's well within his grasp. But you can also see the flip side of that, where a guy strikes out all the time, a guy maybe doesn't take conditioning as seriously as most people would like, and who that is a leading indicator of you're not taking your job as seriously as some people would like. So there's definitely two two paths you could see this thing going and they're they're very different ball players in my mind I, I think the twins are still hopeful they get the good version of it but uh judd uh just about ready to say you might have beaten me in that argument two years ago two spring trainings ago so what, what derek is your sense then of the a decision maker's concern because that to me i mean this is not just a story about a guy who had surgery and and showed up not in the best of shape. This is an ongoing story. I mean, this this well, this goes back to Patrick's column what two or three springs ago, basically exactly right. about this concern. So so give me give me with all that we know about him the totality of the concern because it's not just one thing. Right. I think that's. I think that if you were to say in a vacuum, one player showed up to spring training 
15 pounds heavier than you would have liked to have seen. For a huge guy like that, whose game isn't necessarily predicated fully on agility or on foot speed and all that, you'd be like, well, okay, it's not the best news, but fine. But when it becomes a pattern, that's, I think, where the concern is, Judd, that it it doesn't seem to me like it would be too difficult to beat. <laughs> Did you just get that blast? Yeah. That's amazing. Is, is that Pat cranking some uh, Top yeah. 40 in the background? Yes. Uh, uh, it's Pat's Taylor Swift playlist, apparently, is what's on at Hammond <laughs> Stadium. Tay -tay, so, huh? All right. Just to just to give you guys a paint the picture here. We're Pat dealing longs with... to be one of the uh, recycled <laughs> men that Taylor Swift <laughs> writes about someday. Yeah, we are dealing with uh, 90 degrees and cloudy but blue skies in Fort Myers, yeah, and okay, I'm sitting great. in Pat's radio booth watching. Actually, it's Tyler Duffy throwing live batting practice right now. I didn't know that I was 10 feet from a speaker that until just now had been silent all morning, and uh, now we've got Taylor Swift. So I hope it's not too bad for you guys, but that's... It's not that bad. Go ahead. <laughs> we'll get going. through it. We'll just get through it. Going. Continue on, yeah. All right, so uh, speaking of Taylor Swift, uh, transitioning back to Miguel Sano is... Uh, the the pattern, Judd, I think is what is concerning. It's not just an isolated incident. And like I, I said before, I think if it was just weight or something, you'd be like, okay, whatever. There have been big hitters who succeed. You, you've seen before. You don't need to be chiseled from granite to be a Major League Baseball player. Plenty of guys are successful despite never appearing on the cover of, uh, of GQ magazine. But if it's a, if it's a leading indicator for how much, how much you care about your profession, how seriously you take your job, that's where I think you start to get concerned. I, personally, I don't care what the scale says. It doesn't matter to me whether his body weight is 265, 295. If he is in you know, the right kind of cardiovascular shape and keeps himself strong and agile, that's fine. You can weigh whatever you want to. But if it's if it's doughier, if it's not able to run the bases effectively, if it's, well, I need a day off after this game because I took a lot of ground balls at third base. I'm not saying that's where he's at because we, obviously we don't know that. He hasn't gotten into the season yet. But if that's what it's going to be, obviously that paints a concerning picture that here's a guy with all the talent in the world that maybe isn't mentally engaged to take, to, you know, take full advantage of it. I, it's not there yet, Judd, but that seems to be the direction it's trending right now. Uh, Wetmore down in Fort Myers covering the Twins in spring training for 1500ESPN.com, the Touch Em All podcast. So John Heyman sent out a sneaky tweet a few minutes ago just saying that the Twins, because they were rejected on their five-year, hundred-plus-million-dollar offer for you, Darvish, they still have a lot of flexibility if they want to. Uh, what, does your gut say that the Twins are done adding starting pitching before the season starts? Or do you think there's still a chance with a Lance Linder and Alex Cobb out there? My gut says they're done, Phil. I don't think that it's an impossibility. In fact, John Heyman's here. at uh, He was here at Hammond Stadium earlier today. Might be bopping over to Red Sox to hmm, get both So he's not just randomly of. tweeting that this morning. No, Interesting. but you could also you know, interpret this however you want to because I was not a part of the conversation. I think that Derek Falvey and Thad Levine continue to say what they've told us all spring, What really what they've told us all winter. All winter it was, we're focused on adding starting pitching. Or we need to improve the bullpen. The pitching staff needs to be better, and we're going to be proactive. Now that they've brought in a couple of guys, they've signed like six major league pitchers this, this winter, if you include Michael Pineda. And now the tone has shifted to, 
we're comfortable with where we're at, but we're always keeping our options open. So, so you could get the old, we're keeping our options open, we're monitoring the market. You could get that line and then throw in your own speculation that, oh, well, here are some pictures on the market and the twins are still interested. That's sometimes how those things get started. I would just personally, from my perspective, from the conversations that I've had down here, talking with multiple people inside the twins front office, I think it's more likely that they're happy with their pitching staff now and if prices come down on the free agent market, then okay, yeah, maybe you dip your toes in that water again. I just think that the most likely scenario is that they're going to open the season with the staff that they have right now, and then they might look to supplement that maybe at the trade deadline. You know what I would do? So Jake Arrieta clearly wants a long-term deal that teams feel uncomfortable giving him, and Scott Boris is his agent. And uh, and, and if you look, like you know, he his numbers have gotten worse the last two years from being the best pitcher in baseball in 2015. I think teams yeah. are looking for a bounce-back, prove-it season. I would let, if Scott Boris were willing, I would let Jake Arrieta use me if I'm the Twins front office for a bounce-back season at Target Field. If he wanted to, if you want, if he wanted like twenty million dollars for one year, even and maybe a mutual option for that second year, or two years and then some kind of a mutual, if, as long as the Twins have the option to not continue the relationship. Um, I would let Jake Arrieta use me for for a bounce back season, and then go somewhere else if if you know he got a longer term deal. Yeah, that'd be fine because it just adds another decent starter to the rotation. I think if you're Arietta or if you are Scott Boris, you're either looking for a it could be a a prove a contract would be more like thirty million, and that's like okay yeah. for one year. That's a lot of money on a sort of a gamble, even if it is just a short term commitment. That's still real money. Uh, more likely you'd still look for some kind of long-term security knowing that, uh, boy, if his best years are behind him, this will be the best time to cash in. Next year's going to be a free agency bonanza, and I don't know that you want to be part of that crowded market. So, uh, yeah, I'm not that interested in Jake Arrieta. I don't think he's as good as you, Darvish, is, but he would definitely make the Twins rotation better right now. And I guess if the price is right, then you probably do that contract. I, I think a Boris client is very unlikely to do that type of contract, guys. But I do, I do think the Twins should not be done. I think the the addition that they made on Saturday is very nice, and, and I like it. But you've got the flexibility now uh, to, I think, go to a Cobb or a Lance Lynn and say, "Look, you're going to be on this free agent shelf for quite some time. You, you both have have something to prove. I will give you a two or three year contract." But I think there is there is no question in my mind the Twins made a very nice move, and the deal was pretty much a steal with the Rays. But all of that being said, I would go make one one more move. And my ideal, once, uh, once Irv is back, would be to have Gibson as my five. So if, sure. I could go, if I could go get one more guy, I've got the flexibility. I can do it. I sign one more guy. Sure. And we're talking about this, too, because we think about it in terms of starting five. But... Realistically, how many starting pitchers are the Twins going to use this year? I got a hint. It's more than five. Sure. So that would put guys like Phil Hughes, guys like Adalberto Mejia, I mean, even Kyle Gibson, Trevor May. That puts them more into that back end and depth. And then you figure it out. Anibal Sanchez is in that depth conversation. So that turns more into, <laughs> right, exactly. That turns more into, all right, this guy, if we needed him in a pinch, we could go call him instead of calling Adam Wilk or, uh, Nick Tepish or Nick Turley, that's that's the position the Twins have put themselves in. But Judd, I agree, they're not uh, they're not a perfect or complete pitching staff right now. My personal temptation would be roll into the season with this, see what you get from Phil Hughes, see what you get eventually in late May or early June from a guy like Trevor May, who I think's 
really, really talented and could help the rotation a lot this year. Uh, and then, and then, if you're still in the race, talking July, start getting on the horn with any club that is getting rid of a top tier pitcher. I'm not talking. I'm not talking Lance Lynn. I'm not talking Alex Cobb. Those are nice pitchers top end of mid-rotation. I mean, go get a top end starter, a bona fide ace, so that then you can be real, real serious players in October, and and that's how I think you open your postseason window wide open. Uh, Derek, what can people find on 1500ESPN.com and the new mobile app here from you down in Fort Myers right now? Right now, I'm really curious about the jobs available in the bullpen. They signed a bunch of relievers, so you'd think those are written in ink. How many jobs are available? I kind of looked at the long list of relievers there. And then, of course, we've got tons of stuff on the Odorizzi edition, what the trade means for them, how good of a pitcher Odorizzi can be. And I've got a future column coming probably later this afternoon on if things go perfectly for Odorizzi, how good can he be? Can he be that top-end starter for the Twins? That'll be posted later today. All right, there it is. Wetmore down in Fort Myers. Awesome stuff. Thanks, Derek. We'll catch up tomorrow, man. Thanks, guys. All Enjoy. right. Um, yeah, we're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. He is in the Taylor Swift Studios down in Hammond Stadium, apparently. Oh, it's great stuff. Dave, what kind of questions are you going to throw our way next? The best questions Judd has heard in a week. Wow. It's a bold claim. I'm really looking forward to that. Phil Mackey. He tells you things, and you're like, oh, wow, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Judd Zolgad. One of the greatest screwballs I ever met in my life, but uh, interesting fellow. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackey and Judd is sponsored by It's Just Lunch. Now on Mackey and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right, Judd's back from his Chicago vacation. Dave's got some questions to hurl our way here. And they will be hurled with great force, boys, as they always are. Let's talk about the biggest controversy this show has faced in a week, two weeks. I don't know what it's been. Quarterback talk or not quarterback talk. Yeah. Do we know how the poll is doing right now, by the way, first of all? Uh, I can check here. The Mackie and Judd poll question was simply, are you sick of Phil and Judd discussing the Vikings quarterback situation. And uh, right now it's 51% yes, move on, and 49% no, keep it coming. Whoa, wow, which it's is very whoa. tight. But it's not, but if you think about it, it's not as tight as it seems because 49% of people are saying, keep this very specific Vikings conversation going. And the other 51% are yeah. saying, we'd like to hear. Like some smattering of it other things. Might be like, twins, might be wolves. So, wild, so if you said, right, skiing, if yeah. we were to to put those options out yeah. there further and say, okay, do you want to hear Vikings quarterback talk, wild second line talk, uh, Timberwolves second half of the season talk, mm-hmm. Timber or, or you know what twin spring training, Vikings QB would be number one mm-hmm. by far. So I think I think it's fair to say that. So that's what the poll results show. All right. Well, let's get into this then. The question is, when it comes to the two of you. What do you get out of Vikings quarterback talk? Does it excite you? Do you feel it's something you need to do for the listener? Do you get into it personally? Are you feel you are covering new ground? Why are you wanting to discuss the Vikings quarterback situation? Because of the fact that this was such a successful team and ordinarily successful teams have this position set and they don't. The Sano uh, talk to me is is very intriguing, but I also feel like the listener is is way more into the Vikings than the Twins probably. So to me, it serves two purposes. One, if there's one talking point that I think a lot of our listeners really enjoy, it's Vikings talk. 
And when you have what I think we can safely probably call the most important position in sports on a 13-3 and team, not settled or not even close. I mean, this isn't even a competition at this point. This is who is it going to be. Um, I find it to be extremely intriguing. So I, I think it serves two purposes. One, it uh, it gives Vikings fans conversation that I think they're probably equally as interested as we are in it. And two, it brings up a point that for the next month or so is going to be extremely interesting to discuss and then should be solved probably within that time. Yeah, like it is, I, I think it's it's a pretty simple formula in that the Vikings quarterback position and the question about who who it's going to be, is there someone who can help lead them to a further point in the season than they reached last year to win the first Super Bowl in franchise history? It's the most compelling story in Minnesota sports right now. It just is. And it's going to come to a conclusion most likely in the next month because free agency opens up on March 14th. We're sitting here on February 20th right now. And you can start franchising guys today, so so you're you're gonna find out pretty quickly. Like, are they gonna franchise Case Keenum in a couple weeks? Are they gonna sign Kirk Cousins? I just think it's the most compelling story in Minnesota sports right now, and I'm interested in it. A lot of people are interested in it. It's the most popular team, most popular position. So that's my theory on. Now, personally, I could talk Twins for 20 hours. I could talk baseball. I could talk pace of play. But I get that. It's not always the most interesting thing to talk about spring training baseball and dive deep into like baseball analytics. That's why we have the Touch Mall podcast, yep, which that's you can true. find and subscribe to on Apple Podcasts and the new mobile app, 1500 ESPN. Oh, very good plug. That's good. Yes. I am going to play a little game with you guys as far as question two goes. It is simply Miguel Sano, yes or no. <laughs> I have a couple scenarios that I'm going to throw at you, and you have to simply tell me if you were forced to bet your life either yes or no. Where you would fall. Are you wow. ready? Our life, huh? Yes. Wow, this is the stakes have just been raised on it's the show. It's big here. time. Okay. Very big time. Mm-hmm. First, we'll start small. Miguel Sano, will he ever lead the American League in home runs? Ooh, not that not now that Giancarlo Stanton is in the American League and Aaron Judge. I'm gonna say no. I would agree with that. No. Will Miguel Sano ever be an all-star? I believe he has been he once, right? Was last season. From this point on. Okay. Yes. Yes, yes he will be. Yeah. yeah, he could put, I mean, all you have to do is put together a good first half. Yep. And you're an all-star. And I'm trying to think of the other, th- I mean, third base is pretty competitive right now across baseball. This is a nice little time period for third baseman. But yes, he, he will be an all-star again at all some right. point. Will Miguel Sano still be playing third base, primarily third base, three seasons from now? No, no way. No. He'll be a DH by Two that point. Two seasons from now. No, no. He'll be a first base. One season from now. No, I, I think he gets moved to first base after after th- this year with with Mauer's contract being up. Yeah, I mean, like he would have to. Yeah. Put it this way: look at look at the third baseman around the league. The Josh Donaldsons, like Manny Machado, has played third base, and uh, Chris Bryant. None of them look like him in terms of their size and. Physical condition. Their, their generous carriage is not so generous yeah, as Miguel's. Like, I mean, you could have him sit over there yeah. and then sacrifice a bunch of runs at an important infield position, but I want to save some runs defensively. I, I want to help out some of these pitchers, and, and, and he has a cannon for an arm, and he does have some agility for a guy that big, but no. He's first baseman in 2019. And simply the last one is a quick rank them. Three outcomes with the Twins. Twins eventually trade him. Twins sign him to a... Big contract quote, mm-hmm. or he eventually just walks away. 
I'm going to say number one, trade him. And this is most likely to happen, not what you want to happen. Yeah, I think I think they I think they tried to trade him this offseason. I think the, I believe the rumors that they tried to trade him for Chris Archer, which we started that rumor in like June. I still Complete love it. Reckless speculation. I still love it. It was more like this is what we would do. Yeah, and uh, it was good it was for us anyway. Reckless speculation. Yeah. Um, so what's your second one? I mean, I don't, I don't think it makes sense for him to get to the end of his contract with the Twins and they get nothing for him. So then I, I guess I would put signed to a long term contract number two, and then number three would be walk away for, for nothing. Um, but I think, I think they can, unless he completely changes the way that he goes about business and stays at third base and stays on the field. Um, I, I could I could see them shopping him throughout this entire season. Uh, trade is 1A, B, and C for me. Walks away would be my second one uh, and big contract three. So I could, I think it's unlikely, but if they decide, hey, we can't get enough for him and, and we're going to use as much of his career as we can and then he's going to leave... I don't see any way that this franchise, unless he completely, unless he drastically changes his lifestyle, actually signs him to, to the type of contract we're talking about because somebody will, and that's going to be a ridiculous contract to give a guy you can't count on. Reckless speculation. He'll get it somewhere. Let's get into the final topic. Olympic hero number two of the day for me, Elizabeth Sweeney. <laughs> yes. Half pipe this is ridiculous. skier. <laughs> From Hungary, or at least representing Hungary, this is what it sounded like when she hit the half pipe a couple days ago. Sweeney, from Hungary, out of Oakland, California now. Liz Sweeney dropping in, trying to get into this right wall for a nice, just getting up to the top of the wall, going for these grabs, the safety grab you'll see there. And opting I think that's all you need to hear. So was that actual grab. commentary? That was actual commentary, yes, of Elizabeth Sweeney's run in the halfpipe where she did literally no tricks. She simply went up to the top of the halfpipe and turned around and went up and turned around, and it was awesome. She's been described as a mockery of the Olympic Games. The Chicago Tribune just posted an editorial piece titled, Sorry, Elizabeth Sweeney, Olympics should be reserved for the best athletes. If you're unfamiliar with the story, basically, she's a rich kid from California, had enough money to travel around the world and enter all these skiing competitions that were not very, well, they were sparsely attended, let's just say, and she finished well enough in those because nobody showed up to earn a spot in the Olympics representing the country of Hungary. Hmm. The question is simple. Olympic mockery. Or Olympic hero, Elizabeth Sweeney. Uh, go ahead, Judd. Fire away. Oh, I say hero. I say hero. The IOC, all these people, they're all crooked. Who cares? An absolute hero for exploiting a system that's ridiculous. And for anyone to actually say now, oh, I care about that. No, you don't care about that sport. About three people do. I say creative genius. Elizabeth Sweeney. Okay. It's a mockery, but not for the reason that, not for like the fake outrage reason that you think that most people are going with, which is it's, there need to be the best athletes. If you're going to find that loophole and you're going to successfully get to the Olympics because your grandparents are from Hungary and you just found all these qualifying events, you have to try crazy tricks and bite the dust and be willing to break a leg. 
Like I wanted to see her go <laughs> go up in the air and try some, you know, absurd, you know, whatever the numbers are. Like try some absurd jump where you're turning four times in the air and Mick twisting your way through and landing on your skull. Like go out there and give it the actual like go go out there and do a couple of tricks and make it seem like, you know what, this isn't as hard as people think it is. I can go up and twist around and, and still land and not destroy my uh, my spinal cord. So I, I, I'm more mad that she didn't actually try anything crazy and make it seem like she was an Olympian. Like, she, she could have gone out there and tried a trick, bit the dust, and nobody would have known any different. Oh, man, she, like, tried something crazy and it didn't work, and now she's injured. Instead, she just went she's along for the joy Olympic ride. hero, damn it. So I don't, how does this even happen? Like, how can you be so bad or nondescript and these loopholes still exist? <laughs> she would go Their to fault. events where, say, there were 15 people actually skiing in the event. She would do what she does, just ski down the thing, and you'd get a situation where maybe some of the better skiers happen to fall on each of their runs. Well, she finishes ahead of them because at least she didn't fall on her butt. So it's not so like maybe she finishes skating. 13 so out of 15, corners. you know, or whatever She's conservative. Is. Yes, well, exactly. Well, I find that to be ridiculous because in figure skating, the scoring works where if you try a quadruple jump and fail after three rotations, you get more points than the guy who succeeded like in a double or a triple axle. And right? you know what that means? It just proves the point that I've always had. Any athletic competition that is based simply on judging is stupid. Yeah, I like well, it. Box. Eliminate them all. Yes. Um, unless you can if knock somebody judging, out and get, get rid of, rid of, of it. Like, I love that, like, The loophole for boxing in UFC oh, just, is just knock your opponent <laughs> yeah, unconscious. and you win Once it goes ass. to the card, just I don't care anymore. I'm yeah. done. I'm done. <laughs> uh, Trevor Hildenberger will join us in about 15 minutes from Fort Myers. Mackie and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Frankly, I think the dogs don't like men because, well, because sometimes they bring bad news. Mackey and Judd. Animals sense those things, you know. On 1500 ESPN. Kick off your running season with 1500 ESPN at Twin Cities in Motion's Hot Dash 5K and 10 Mile. Saturday, March 24th. Bring your lumberjack best to this Minnesota-themed event. It features a top 10 U.S. post-race beer garden live DJ photo booth activities for all ages. Plus, you've got the hot dish and beer from Summit Brewing Company. Registration is open. All runners receive a Storm Creek long sleeve quarters at technical pullover. Details are at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Yeah, it was uh, it was really nice, man. What, what I needed, someone just threw the puck at me, and, uh, and in the net, it was uh, it was nice to go in. I think we played at the last two two pairs today really good, so it was a it's a good win for us. Wow. Yep. Ericsson Eck. Yeah, and a road win too. The first goal in months for the youngster. Scored it uh, against Detroit on opening night, and scored yesterday, and those are his two goals. Uh, you know, good a good uh, rest period between putting a puck in the net. So um, you could say that, yes. I'm sure you, you were traveling yesterday. Not sure if you got a chance to watch the the victory. I watched uh, the entire third period, but I completely missed the um, Thursday and Saturday losses. They were losses, by the way. We can talk all we want about loser points. That means you lost the game. Bruce Boudreaux is not happy with the media. For... Uh, yeah, I saw the quotes. So it's wait, wait. So l- let me get this straight. We're not buying in enough to his team, and we don't believe enough in the wild, and so therefore it's our fault that we don't sort of get how great they are, despite the fact that they aren't great. 
Something like that. Okay, sure. Yeah, I still I think he's. I'm that. not. I'm not going to start throwing him too far under the bus because no. he's a really good coach. No, he's been. I I tweeted this. I saw that quote on Sunday morning, and I tweeted this. I don't. I think he's to the point because I think this is the second time this year that he has played the card of you guys don't believe in us and you should. I think this team confuses him so much that he's just grasping at straws because he he doesn't know what's going to work. Hmm. So to me. I'm not down on Bruce. I think what Bruce is trying to do is play any card he possibly can. Now, Dave, those are some good hockey takes from Judd. You know, I really appreciate the analysis. Always good. fresh off vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, can you maybe uh, cue up a little bit of Judd's Juddbot three thousand just to see? Because I think we should make a decision. The Juddbot three thousand rave reviews over the past few days. I almost think we need a hockey take off. Between the real Judd Zolgad and the Juddbot 3000 to see who should really be delivering the hockey takes on this show going forward. Well, uh, we just heard what Judd had to say about yesterday's game. Perhaps, Juddbot, would you like to weigh in? So the Wild beat the Islanders. You're probably asking yourself, what does Judd think about the win? Well, I will tell you what Judd thinks is this. This group of bums just lost three of five at home. And now you want me to be excited about beating a terrible Islanders team? No. I'm not falling into that trap, and neither should you. That's, yeah, that's, and that's pretty good. That's pretty that's good. That's good. outstanding. Yeah. Judbot, however, informed me before the show he has thoughts on more than just the wild when it comes to hockey. Oh, really? Yes. Judbot has... Let's say Judbot's not exactly thrilled with how things are at the Olympics, specifically with the Olympics not having NHL players in it. First, real Judd. Your thoughts? Um, I'm absolutely fine with the fact that a league didn't shut down its season again to play in games where the start times are 15 hours ahead of the time zone here. So I am now the Olympic tournament for men's hockey sucks. It's terrible. Mm -hmm. But if the question is, do I care that the National Hockey League didn't send their all stars to this? No, I don't, because I think it's ridiculous to shut down your season to go to a country where your games are starting at, let's say, 3 a.m. That's a very pragmatic approach. However, Judd, Juddbot 3000 shoots from the hip a little bit more, nice. as we know. A little bit more, I think, heart there versus head. But here's what Juddbot has to think, I have to say. Want to know the worst part about NHL players not going to the Olympics? I don't get a three-week break from this garbage the Wild continue to put out. <laughs> Honest to God. You have five in a row at home, can only win two. And now they want fans to be all happy about Joel Erickson 8 getting a goal for the first time since opening night and the team beating the Islanders. Please Chuck Fletcher, don't make a trade. You'd only be enabling these guys to keep skating around like dogs just to make the playoffs and get done in the first round. <laughs> Did Judd talk to me? Because the end of that is exactly what I've been saying. I, I typed out a note last night. That was my note. Don't make any trades. <laughs> Judbot's in your head. Oh, Judbot's outstanding. There's a strong Can I work side by side? Can, can I work with the Judbot? Well, I mean, <laughs> Judbot was on fire last week, even just Friday when you were gone. These idiots were back at it again last night. <laughs> the Minnesota Furious Rallies. That's what they are. Change the name. Only this time they should have been the Minnesota way too far behind because you can't play the way they do against the Capitals. Nap through the second period and have success. I hate this team. Oh, oh. I gotta work with this guy. <laughs> Judbot's working with you. I don't oh, think I that's what you ju- understand. I love the Judbot. 
You feel like well, you're two separate entities, but you're kept, very much I not. I kept getting tweets about how good the reviews of the Genbot were, and I didn't <laughs> I didn't know why. I wanted to hear it. Now I'm, this is outstanding. Uh, Trevor Hildenberger next. Oh, my God.